Hello, and welcome to Stacia Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey, Stu, how's Cyprus today? Hi, Justin. It's, uh, well, it's a bit stormy. We've got, we've got a lot of noisy sort of crash-bang weather about the place, which is, I suppose, exciting, although one of my dogs looks decidedly nervous about the whole thing. What about Canada? How are things over there? A bit chilly this morning. We got snow again overnight. So uh, after I finish the podcast, that's going to be my project is go and scrape some snow. Yay. Fantastic. Well, that's a great way to start the day. You'll be refreshed, full of vim and vigor. I tell you what, I don't need to get on the bike anytime this winter. I just go out and do an hour of uh, scraping the driveway and boy, there's my exercise. If, you, if you've never tried it, highly recommend it for exercise. If it was just a little warmer and I could wear spandex, it would be so much better. Just kidding. <laughs> no, I think I quite enjoyed just a, a leisurely stroll with with the hounds. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got some follow-ups, too. I, I spoke too soon last week. You're not a Wordle guy, but I said some nice things about Wordle not monetizing and just been a fun game to play. And by the time the podcast actually released to the public... He sold it to the New York Times, who's going to put it behind a paywall. Is, the, is that second bit confirmed? Their, what was their wording that they used in the press release? It will initially stay free for players. Okay. And when somebody says initially, yeah, no, that isn't going to be for too long. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, I, I think the initial reaction that I saw on Twitter was that people were quite positive about it because um he'd always spoken about how it came from the new york times in some way shape or form and it was just a bit of fun and blah 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 and well i think they sort of just made him a an offer he couldn't understand didn't they Uh, yeah seven figures i I mean i guess i can't criticize a guy somebody walks up and asks me to sell my soul for that you know there's a pretty good chance of it I did come across something interesting on Twitter, though. I'm not sure how legal this is. So, you know, this is just what somebody said on Twitter, and I don't uh, know anything about it and probably recommend you don't do it. But let's say you wanted to play Wordle on your Mac. You can open Safari. You can go to the Wordle website, and you can save it as a web archive. Once that's saved on your computer, apparently you have a full-fledged version of Wordle on your computer. Oh, I see. Very clever. Well, uh, the gentleman that uh, wrote it uh, wrote it as just one, basically one web dev file. So everything can be contained. There's no external links. It's just kind of there. Which is absolutely lovely if you're just playing it for fun. But um, anyway, I I would never do anything like that because that would be, you know, potentially immoral. But that's at Dave Mark on Twitter did make that comment. (laughs) I think you've outed him now. Um, But I mean, presumably you read the New York Times cover to cover every day anyway, don't you? No, it's paywalled. (laughs) Oh, You, you mean you don't subscribe, Justin? No, do you? Heavens to Betsy, of course not. Hmm. New York, it's in America. Yeah, they they do have some really good content, but their paywall is annoying. And from what I've heard, and this is the main reason I haven't subscribed, 
is trying to get out of it is a nightmare. There's no quick unsubscribe. Oh. <laughs> it's one of those games that you end up having to call and talk to somebody and they make it as inconvenient as possible. Don't get me started. <laughs> There's, um, I subscribe to The Economist. Oh. Uh, not particularly because I want to anymore, but because of the exact same problem where uh, there are 655,000 ways to subscribe to The Economist and only one to unsubscribe. And that is to, to phone them the day after your surprise renewal has gone through for a vast amount of money mm. and shout and scream until you get to somebody eventually who will uh, let you do what you want. Uh, so I'm told. That is, uh, well, I'm a little disappointed by New York Times and Wordle, but you know, hey, million bucks plus. Yeah. One can't really say no. No, good luck to him. And, uh, you know, well done for writing such a simple and, well, catchy thing. I mean, it, it's not my thing, but um, it certainly does seem to be many people's thing. I already did mine of the day. I was very frustrated this morning. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So many combinations of words, and I kept guessing the wrong ones. That's how it works. I do have also some follow-up on the difference between a full-size Sailor Pro Gear and the Pro Gear Slim that we were talking about last week. Okay. The full size is five millimeters longer capped and six millimeters longer uncapped. Okay. Which isn't a huge amount. No. It is only one millimeter larger diameter. Right. So it's still a relatively small pen, mm -hmm. but it is um, not that much bigger than, than the slim. And so I may have just saved you several hundred dollars in <laughs> not, not having to buy one. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at a website uh, just this morning, actually, that has a decent range of Sailor. It was over in Greece, actually, this place. But um, they've got some some quite funky limited edition ones, and, and the numbers started getting quite big quite quickly, I have to say. Mm. Um, Doesn't hmm. take long with Sailor's pricing lately. No, no, it was... Uh, yeah, there was definitely some things I thought, wow, that's that's a bit more than I would expect. Mm -hmm. But uh, there you go. Such is life. Such is life. Yeah, the problem with that is once Sailor gets that expensive to me, then I'm all in switching to like an Akaya or a really nice Platinum. Uh, just the way I, I like those pens and Akayas particularly. And the Sailors are getting up there to sort of that handmade Nakaya price. Mm. So it's it, it's... It's a tough one, right? Do you want a mass market pen? Yes, it might be a limited edition, but let's face it, it's just a funky colored plastic bolted together. Sure. Or do you want something that uh, some elderly Japanese pen maker has been hand painting for six months, one coat at a time to make perfect for, you know, just a small premium extra. It, it becomes a much harder decision for me. Absolutely. I mean, the amount, the amount of uh, sort of sunk cost I already have in fountain pens, there's a large part of me that goes, really? Is, a, is another one going to make that much difference to your life? So, yes, I'm, I'm being reticent at the moment on my tech and on my pens. Mm -hmm. um, you've got a note in for follow-up as well, Stu. Oh, yes. No, so I, I, was, uh, I was listening back, and I very boldly spoke about how I 
um, I use a sort of evolved bullet journaling system in my daily driver and how I use the index to keep track of important notes. And then I thought, actually, do I? Um, and so I checked and, uh, it, yes, I've, I've, I've been somewhat, well, I've, I've let that slip, shall we say. <laughs> so, um, earlier this week I was numbering my latest notebook and, uh, I'm rebuilding an index and I'm glad I did actually, because there are some notes that I want to preserve. So there you go. The, the benefit of talking about this stuff is that you realize what things you thought you do that you don't. <laughs> Whoops. Ah, it's all good. What's your tool of the week, Stu? Uh, my tool of the week uh, are my daily theme cards, which I'm sort of evolving. So I've only recently taken on the idea of sort of theming my days and uh, I have a little cork board, and each day is well. I've got all the days pinned up on that board, and underneath the name of the day and the theme, I have the sort of fixed items that go with that day. So, on uh, my writing day, I have the things that I need to write. I know it's shocking, isn't it? Um, on my uh, management day, I will have the meetings that I need to have. So I'm just sort of building up my ideal schedule without getting into all calendars and all that stuff. So that I get a rough idea of what, what I'm aiming for, but obviously life gets in the way, but, um, no, it's, yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's kind of working for me. It's becoming instinctive. People say, oh, look, we need to have a chat and I'll automatically sort of go back to them and say, can't do today, but I can do tomorrow because I know broadly where my life is generally going. Hmm, that's excellent. Uh, what are you using for the cards themselves? Because everybody wants to know. Yeah, the cards, um, I've just written a post about this, actually. I use the analog cards that we've discussed many times, but um, I also use just plain index cards. And these ones currently, I suspect, will be Clairefontaine, so French, uh, quite fountain pen friendly standard sort of index cards really we stock them in Nero so that's why I've got some but um, also <laughs> shout out for the Baron Fig ones because they're quite nice I've got a few of those as well yeah I've started using those based on something that you've uh, said about taking notes on your Kindle uh -huh. what I've started doing is using a Baron Fig card as a bookmark and as I'm reading I keep a pencil nearby. I can actually write on just a little bookmark and then I just have one capture that I can then take to wherever I need to. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. No, that's the best way to do, um, you know, good old fashioned books. Otherwise you end up writing all over them. No, I don't do that. S scary stuff. Scary stuff. Writing on a book. I, I just got a book in the other day and the first thing I did was removed the dust jacket, wrapped it in a mylar. Uh, protective coating, put it back on, then I'm allowed to read the book. <laughs> Tells you what kind of person I am, doesn't it? I get, it gives something away about our ages as well. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Cool. I, I'm glad that's working for you. And what about you? What's been your tool of the week? Well, I don't have a tool. In fact, I'm very much lacking this tool. But one of the things that you don't think about until you lack it is sleep. I had a restless night the other day and I felt useless the next day. Mm -hmm. I was dragging. I was slow. I just, I just didn't really feel on top of anything and realized that, you know, when 
I'm getting to the age, Stu, I hate to say it, that if I get stressed, I start waking up way too early. I wake up early anyway, but if I have something on my mind and wake up really early, you know, I don't get back to sleep. And, and that makes for a tough day. Sure. Is that just me? Is that an age <laughs> thing? Or, you know, should I, you know, what, what's the solution to sleep? Um, well, for me, um, I always felt that I could function with uh, little or no sleep. And I think if you're young, uh, you, can, you can make that work. So uh, I'm sure there are plenty of 20-somethings out there who regularly stay out late partying, sleep for four hours, have a shower, go to work and function perfectly well. I know I used to be able to. Um, <laughs> as, you're, as you're walking to work, holding the wall next to you so you don't fall down. <laughs> well, there may have been some occasions like that as well, but those are, those are other stories. These days, um, I, I do like to get my kip. Uh, and given that Margaret starts work really early and also has what can only be described as an extended morning routine, the alarms in our house go off at 0500, um, which doesn't bother me because that's when I get up anyway, to be honest but is is hard work for her um and she by by about 20 hundred in the evening um i'm usually waking her up to say you might want to watch this bit it's important <laughs> and yeah by by nine o'clock it's, it's bedtime for us so we've we've reverted to this sort of quite strict regime during the week which is probably good so i you know i get my full eight hours uh, if I'm not getting my full eight hours, I'm a big fan of the nap. I am a napper by, by inclination. I discovered that when I first lived in Cyprus in the early 2000s, hmm. where um, I used to work in Nicosia, which is uh, the capital of Cyprus and is about an hour and a half drive from here. And so I would drive up for an early start. And then come one o'clock, it was like, right, it's lunchtime. See you all again at four. Sorry? <laughs> it's a three-hour lunch. It's a three-hour, well, so almost exactly the, the wrong length of time for me. I couldn't drive back to, to Limassol uh, because then I'd just have to turn straight around and go back again. Um, so uh, a friend and I, a colleague and I used to go out for essentially for three hour lunches <laughs> because, you know, we, we had nowhere to go for a nap, mm. but, um, eventually we found that we found a cafe that would let us sort of, uh, play backgammon, uh, in the corner with a, with a coffee and just sort of gradually subside into quiet for the last half an hour before going back to work. But I do it here. I do it here in the office. I have a couch and after my sort of morning sprint, uh, I've taken the dogs out. I will do a little bit of reading and then I will mm, get maybe not 40 winks, maybe 20 winks uh, on the couch. And I'm a huge fan of that because I do wake up re-energized. The trick is not to do it for too long. If you sleep for too long, then I think you fool your body and everything closes down or mine does anyway. Mm. So there you are. Start napping. Well, how to, how to get that done on a Zoom call, you know, tur uh, that's where you turn off your um, video camera and uh, just have a have a 20 minute nap and wake up to see if anything important happened. Most of them, not. 
A, cyn- a cynical man might say this is the perfect time to go for a nap because you, you're guaranteed to miss nothing. It seems to be a, a rule of Zoom. Well, that could be worse. It could be Teams. Yeah, indeed. T- teams, Zoom, but for smaller groups. Mm. Yes. Anyway, uh, what's your pen and ink of the week? While I think about how I'm going to build napping into my, my day today. <laughs> Well, I think we've uh, we've both gone a similar sort of direction here. Uh, it's it's a fallow week for me because I keep filling up pens that have got huge capacity. So um, my Lamy Studio takes those big Lamy cartridges. So I've still got a fair chunk of red in there. My Twisby Go takes well half a bottle of egg. I could go on forever. Mm-hmm. My Coeco Sport is on a cartridge, and I have to say, it's making some progress. I'm, I'm getting close to finishing the Coeco Sport. I'm just unscrewing it now to have a look. I think we're down to about the last 10% of that cartridge. So, oh. But then you'll just put another cartridge in it anyway, because that's one of your daily go-tos. Yeah, but I, I'm, I'm going to be good. So once, once the Coeco is empty, it will get cleaned. And I'm going to focus then, I think, on really working down the go. Um, just to, I can't bear throwing away ink. It's terrible. I mean, it's, it's not as though it's expensive, but I just can't do it. I feel like, what have I got now? I've got one, two, three, four, four fountain pens inked up. And I'm, I'm, not, going to ref- I'm not going to fill another until I've emptied one. There you are. I'm kind of in the same boat. I've got far too many inked i've I, similar to you i think i've done th- some things lately that have some big big capacities you know i've got uh, a eye drop filler franklin christoph i've got uh, the twisby that is the piston filler so you know that again is half a bottle of ink mm. and a couple of others just still sitting around i'm i'm actually still writing quite love it my my little pilot vanishing point with that diamine ink that i Mm. talked about a few weeks ago Uh, that is amazing because it's not a particularly big cartridge converter and this fine nib well it's a pilot fine nib it's just perfect but i don't actually think it uses any ink i think it's like one of those you know uh pencils that just scratches the paper and leaves a little bit of a mark but doesn't actually ever go down uh, probably like the Nero's 2.5. <laughs> Indeed. This this one just doesn't seem to be dying for the amount of time I've used it, So, which is which is lovely because it's been convenient. But yes, I, I really have to knock some inks out of here like you because I am so limited. And of course, I have the problem that I can't order inks while it's snowy. I, I'm, I'm stuck with, you know, just those hundred and so bottles that I already have. You poor man. How will you manage? I, I know it's terrible, isn't it? <laughs> uh, crazy. Our topic this week, we're going to talk about hobbies, the importance of hobbies. You know, we're always talking about productivity, how to do more. But I think one of the things that has become particularly important to me, especially as I haven't had any time for hobbies in the last little while, is... How are they? Are they important? What's the balance? Is there a balance needed? Or do we just work some more? It's Stu, what do you think about work-life balance? 
Ah, yes. That, that was a big, big buzz phrase for a long time, wasn't it? Work-life balance. Yeah, I mean, I think I've, I've written in the show that it's elephant in the room time. There is no such thing as a work-life balance. Okay, the, What people, I think, are talking about is balance. And mm-hmm. as, as we've all got a little bit uh, wiser, uh, certainly old people like us, sleep is a huge part of that. You need to rest. Okay. Even if you're not one of the, if you're an insomniac, you need to rest. Resting, recharging, getting yourself ready for whatever it is you're going to be doing is really important. So if you look at athletes, you look at, you know, superstars, they all prioritize rest. I think that hobbies have become more important in the last few years as technology has sort of switched us to this always on type scenario so mm-hmm. you and i have spoken about how we're multi-potentialites it's a very posh way of saying that we have you know loads of different things going on and it's really easy and some would say almost inevitable for people who are like that and also into productivity that we find ways of you know filling every moment and that's why whenever i hear about time blocking and hyper scheduling and i i start getting a bit nervous because of late I've been going the other way. Mm. And the first things that I schedule now tend to be the things that are not work because there's always more work. (laughs) I can always find more things to do, but I've got to have that time for my brain to be doing something else, Mm -hmm. which for me, my hobbies are they're fairly straightforward. I, I have a couple of dogs and I like nothing more than going out walking with them. So that's fairly straightforward and easy. And I like f- chasing a little white ball around a field. So uh, golf is probably the most time-consuming hobby in the world. And right now, I generally play twice a week. So I play uh, on a Thursday um, before we record, although I didn't this morning because of weather. Wow. Uh, and on a Saturday. So that's my my sort of there in the diary. If you want to get me on a Thursday morning, uh, I won't answer. Simple. Uh, likewise, on a Saturday morning, I won't answer. I'll be playing golf. And Thursday lunchtime, you find him in the 19th hole. <laughs> well, <laughs> certainly Saturday lunchtime, there is there is definitely an element and a part of me that settles into a, a nice cold beer with some friends and i i have to be pretty reticent because i i i live about half an hour's drive from the golf course but yes there is a little part of me that wants to phone up the wife and say do you think you might be able to pick me up and say oh i don't know four hours <laughs> which uh, would would only get one answer and it wouldn't be in the affirmative but uh yeah i mean there is Golf is a social sport for me as well. And I, I do enjoy sitting around having a beer with the guys afterwards. Lovely. Um, what about you? What are you, what are you doing for sort of work-life balance? The reason I brought up this is I don't really have much of a balance at the moment. Uh, mm. My balance is work and looking after the family, the wife. Yeah, chemotherapy, cancer is... I'm trying to think of something that I won't have to beat but uh yeah it's not nice let's go there sure yeah um the move last year settling in and then starting into chemotherapy 
has just really kicked all of my hobbies to the curb. And the reason I got thinking about this was a couple of weeks ago. So a couple of my hobbies, uh, making music. I have a studio, which I haven't used. I set it up when I moved into the house, but I haven't had a lot of time for playing music. I also build model cars, which sounds like the weirdest thing that you did when you were a little kid, but I do it at a level where I travel around and compete. So it's, it's, it's quite high stakes. It's very involved. You know, basically the main reason for that is uh, my wife won't let me have all the cars that I'd like to have, <laughs> can't afford them. I, and I'm a natural collector. So at least this way I have them in, in small scale. Let, let, let me interrupt you there, Justin. You compete? I do. How does one compete? Uh, there are shows and contests around, so uh, you can go and be judged and all the rest of that. So I've got... Uh, what, on, on, on build quality? for, for what Build quality, phrase. paint quality, detail, all kinds of different mm. things. Fit and finish. Oh, okay. All right. So, you know, uh, you don't want to make it just look like it came off a factory production line of a toy in... Asia, you know, you want to actually yeah. make it look very realistic. You know, some of the stuff I like to build is weathered. So, you know, it looks like it's been out in the dirt. Uh, I like to build some race cars. So a racing car is never particularly clean after it's been raced. So, you know, little weird things like that, that I do in the summer. I love to get out and about on my motorbikes mm -hmm. last summer. I didn't get any chance to do that, but the reason I brought this up is, um, when I moved up here, I have a, an extra room in the house for my model car building. It has a desk and I bought myself a new spray booth. And this is a place where I can paint all kinds of nasty, stinky paints and have it suck up all the fumes and put it outside. If you have a wife in the house like mine, this is extremely important to have something that vents. I finally got a couple of weeks ago round to setting this up, which is a lot more problematic than at my last house. My last house, I had an unfinished basement. So I had a spray booth in there that vented straight outside and I didn't worry too much about it. Here I'm in a spare bedroom. And so I had to make something that was very pretty. I've had to make something that deals with a whole lot of weather differences. So I had to create uh, this vent system, a four inch hard duct system that I can put in and out of the window when I want to spray the paint. And so it vents outside and doesn't blow back in, doesn't get into the house so that everybody's happy. This took a while for me to do. I've been in this house since September and it was only in January that I got this all sorted out. And I've only spent a couple of hours on my bench, but the process of working on something that is so attention consuming, you know, these are quite detailed things that sure. you can imagine if I'm going around competing in them, uh, probably a bit like, you know, going into a, a golf tournament, you know, something where it's not just a, uh, something that you do, but you're, you're pushing yourself to a particular level. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of focus. The change in focus was invigorating for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, just a couple of hours in this room building something very, very simple, but 
I couldn't think about anything else. I, I had to focus on it's eye hand coordination. So you're thinking everything is on that task that you're doing. There's no room for your day to day stressors and all the stuff that's going on in life kind of trickles away just for a couple of hours. And I remembered how much I enjoy that, how much I miss it and how much my life in some ways has been out of balance because I haven't had anything that I could really do that took my mind off it. You know, you watch, you watch TV, you read a book, your mind can wander very quickly. Mm. This is almost like a meditation app for your hands. Sure. You know, and, and I'm, I'm sure that, you know, your hobbies are a little like that as well. You know, trying to control two dogs that want to go in different directions. <laughs> well, uh, yes. You're not doing a whole lot of thinking about your day to day, you know? Uh, but, uh, I, I was kind of curious. How, how do you feel about that, uh, about having something that is so focusing and that gets your mind away from the other things that you have to do? As you said, that all, there's always something to do, it, finding that balance. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, I think for me, uh, discovering the internet has helped. Now, um, allow me to explain that a little bit. I, I famously said on the first episode of it, well, famously, hmm, that's a bit of a big word. To those that listen, I famously said in 1857 that the first podcast I ever heard I was on. Mm. And it was that time, 2017, 2018, that I began to rediscover my, my sort of inner geek, my inner nerd, who uh, that, that poor little fellow had been uh, sort of suppressed through my I suppose we'll call them corporate days. I mean, there's quite a lot of drinking involved in those corporate days, but we'll call them corporate where it didn't occur to me that that sort of hobby like stationary um, it was something that, that I could do. You know, I was, I was bye-bye, sell, sell, you know, get your people to call my people, that sort of thing. And discovering communities like pen Addict, erasable, um, you know, as you're talking about building model cars, my wife the other day was saying, uh, or oh, did you see some, somebody's Instagram post? I said, no, no, I didn't. And she showed it to me and it was a typewriter. Mm -hmm. It's a typewriter made of Lego. Now, of course, my poor wife had no idea of the, of the minefield she was walking into mm. because as a kid, I had enough Lego to build, oh, I don't know, an alternative universe. <laughs> I mean, I had thousands of sets. Um, I mean, the first, first crimes I ever committed with a, with a little friend of mine, I think we must have been, I don't know, eight or nine, is we were pinching money from our parents' purses to go out and buy illicit Lego. <laughs> we were into Lego theft. And uh, I went, oh, wow, that would be amazing. And I think she looked at me to see if I was being serious. Um, I was like, no, no, no. I, but buy me an adult Lego set. I would be well and truly into that. And you just saying that now has kind of reminded me that I need to press home that point just in case she thinks that, you know, I, I was kidding. Because I now have in my head that in April, which is my birthday, I will be receiving hopefully the typewriter set or a similar sort of adult Lego set. Mm -hmm. because 
Um, I don't really have any sort of wet weather, cold weather hobbies, <laughs> which I've, I've discovered this winter to a certain extent. Walking the dogs is, uh, and will remain, I'm sure, my favourite, certainly their favourite. <laughs> but uh, as you say, the idea of sort of locking yourself away a little bit and just having some time to to, to be intensely focused on something that is different, something else. Um, it does happen in golf. You know, for me, I'll find myself, I suppose, in flow, if you like, where I don't quite know what I'm doing, but I just know it's it's going as it should. So uh, I play a lot of bad golf, and occasionally I play some good golf. And when I'm playing good golf, it is it is transporting. It does take you away. <laughs> um, it's you know, it's all about coordination. I think you know, getting all the things that need to be aligned aligned. Much like anything that we're talking about, modelling or, or you know, any building construct. I mean, even creating the vent, I'm sure, was probably good fun when you got into it. Uh, the anticipation was probably not so much fun. <laughs> That's about it. It was uh, more hassle than I thought it was going to be. But yeah, I, I got a question for you though. When you were doing the corporate jobby job uh, mm. back in back in the day, did you did you have a hobby there? Did you have drink. any stress release? Drink. Okay. Yep. Um, I drank way way too much. I mean when. I'm thinking of my sort of twenties and thirties. Certainly there was a, it would be maybe two nights a month that I didn't drink. Okay. Be something like that. I mean, a very strong drinking culture and all of my social life really revolved around that. So, you know, there, there would be rugby, but that would be with drink. And I include playing that was also with drink, but that's another story again. Oh, that's my golfing. <laughs> well, yes, a lot of people do that. That's that's true. Um, so yeah, I, I didn't really, you know, during my corporate times, I didn't develop or maintain any hobbies at all. And I think I think that that told, if you see what I mean. I think I was well, I, I know I was an unbalanced character. I'm not sure I'm balanced yet, but I'm getting better. <laughs> yeah, I was I was lucky. I got into model cars. Uh, somebody bought me a kit of a classic car that I had. I'm a car guy. I'm a bike guy. I've, you know, been wrenching as, as long as I can remember. And somebody had once bought me a kit of a model car of a vehicle that I owned, which uh, on that side of the Atlantic isn't going to sound particularly impressive. But on this side, it was an old uh, Austin Mini Cooper. Uh-huh. And... I got out of university and once you stop university for your first degree, you kind of look around and go, Hmm, what do I do with my evenings now? Uh, you can consider, do I go back and do an advanced degree or, you know, do I have to spend time with my spouse? And what I did was decided, okay, I've got this thing. I've been moving it around for the last, you know, five, six years. Let me go ahead and try to build this. And I just found it was so much fun that I've always kind of had this hobby. Got more serious as it went. I developed some friends that we used to go drive around down into the States, um, fly around even to, yep, there's a museum in Salt Lake. Did you know that? <laughs> um, so I've, I uh, flew down and visited that, um, which is kind of weird in itself, but the, the idea is not so much it's this particular hobby, but it's the fact that I had something. And, you know, some years 
I don't touch it at all. Other times when I need a little bit more balance or I'm just passionate about it, it's there. It's always kind of been there in the background for when time is available and perhaps when I needed it as well. And so it's kind of an interesting thing for me is to have that. Um, I, I, you know, I was thinking about things like writing, podcasting, music is sort of related to podcasting because I use more or less the same tools for editing the podcast that I use for my music uh, creation. And those things become a hobby job. And as soon as they do that, you know, even with, if you're monetizing it or not, it becomes less than a hobby. It's something that you have to answer to other people for. And I think one of the beauties of what I'm talking about as a hobby is it is something very personal, whether it's, you know, you're doing the wordle of the day, whether you're in a room doing something, whether you're chasing a little ball around, you're doing something solely for you that has no impact and no public accountability, I think might be a good word for it, to the rest of the world. Sure. You know, as soon as you start writing and you start publishing a blog, that changes that dynamic of what you used to do for fun is now a public facing yep. um, activity. And, Very and, true. and all of a sudden that changes your relationship with it. You know, your, your, your thought process for what you're doing is no longer, I'm doing this because I'm passionate about it. It's now I'm doing it because maybe I have a passion for it, but I have to produce this because I've sort of committed either to myself or to the readers or to the listeners, whatever that is, that we have to do that. How do you feel about the differences between hobbies switching over into side hustles? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think uh, you make a very good point. I, I, it struck me that um, where I play golf, for example, is uh, it's a resort golf course. Uh, so a, a buggy, you know, as in a little thing you drive around is mandatory because, you know, between uh, the second green and the third tee is like a, I don't know, two and a half kilometer drive or something. Oh, wow. Because you're going down through a ravine and up to the top of the ravine and, you know, fine. So everybody plays golf in the buggies. There is, on the back nine, the possibility of walking because there are no ravines. You know, all of the drama, if you like, is on the front line. Hmm. Um, so there are two tea times a day that are reserved that if you want to walk the back nine. Hmm. And I, I frequently do that. And it's exactly what you say. I, I walk it alone. And people look at me and go, you play golf alone? And I say, well, yes, if I can. I carry my bag. So it's literally in a bag that goes on my shoulder and I walk the golf course. I don't have a trolley or an electric truck. It's just a little bag with some bats in it and some balls. <laughs> Sorry, club. Clubs is the correct term. Um, and I play on my, and that to me is the purest form of golf. And it's exactly as you say, there's no accountability to it. Now, I may well have an amazing score. I might have a terrible score. I might hit the best shot I've ever hit. Doesn't matter. It's just me on my own, enjoying it for what it is. Yeah, the process of, of the activity is sort of the reward in itself. 
Sure. Whereas playing with, uh, you know, playing with friends or, you know, as part of a group, uh, there is the social aspect, you know, there is interaction. A lot of golf is about character. So, um, you know, getting frustrated, but not, not allowing it to affect your behavior and make you a difficult person to play golf with, um, about being encouraging to others, but there's all sorts of different elements. And as you say, certainly for me, it becomes a performance to a certain extent. Um, and, and I lose some of that purity. Um, and that, that, that's the, the thing that you said that really struck. And in terms of, of side hustles and yeah, I mean, Mike Hurley, um, he, the podcasting Don, as I believe a magazine called him a couple of years ago, he makes the point, uh, about keyboards that, you know, he, he really got into his keyboards and he really doesn't want to make a podcast about them because every other hobby of his, he started making a podcast about it. And as you say, that just changes, changes the dynamic. Um, so I think, uh, wristwatches and, and clicky keyboards are his sort of hobbies that he keeps to himself. And I know he was planning on doing things like taking a wine course and all that sort of stuff, which I think is important. You know, that's, that's a sign of someone thinking about keeping those things separate. Because you're right, it does change the dynamic. Um, I find sometimes I choose stationary and I think, oh, am I choosing this because I actually want to use this or because I can write a post about this for Nero's notes? Is there a sort of, you know, commercial aspect to wanting to use things that, you know, I sell as well? It, it changes that dynamic. Sometimes for the better, it makes you more focused, but I think quite often as well for, for the poorer. And one needs to be careful. You've given me food for thought today. Mm, yeah, I hadn't realized just how important this was to me uh, until I didn't have it. And, you know, with the move last year, we decided sort of in the summer that we were moving early summer. I went through the process of trying to pack up a house I'd lived in for 20 some odd years. And that meant that the hobbies got pushed on one side because I had a focus and then moving up here, I wasn't even set up to deal with it. And wow, does that change your, your ability to relax? And, 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 you know, maybe it's one of those things that just because I'm used to it and I, I know I have that pressure valve, if you like, I'm just going to go do this for a couple of hours that will be all consuming. I'll come out and I know I'll feel better. Not having that, I think was you know, and, and everything else that's going on in my life at the moment, not all of it for the good, was probably part of the pressure that I was feeling that uh, I have been feeling. So, sure, you know, one of those fun things I just have to figure out, you know, maybe when I'm not sleeping at one o'clock in the morning, get up and work in the hobby for a little while. The danger of that one is trying to get back into bed without <laughs> disturbing the dog and Mrs. T. But it's also, you know, I've got visions of you being, being you know, recording this episode at 94 going Stuart I'm building two model cars a week I'm doing all of my hobby jobs I'm doing all of my work problem is now I'm only getting 15 minutes sleep a night just getting up at one and not going back to bed something that you said that I, I guess I should also talk about is um scheduling mm. what I used to do uh, before I moved houses was I used to schedule two hours on a Saturday morning 
where I would put in that I was going to work on my hobby bench. And then once a month, I would extend that for a full day on a Saturday. Saturday is kind of my one day of no commitments. And it didn't always happen. You know, it was a, it's a hobby. Sure. So it's something that is flexible. But if I schedule time for it and I put that in, then I was much more likely to do it. And the mental side of that, doing it always makes me feel better. Yeah. It never, I never come out of that and going, oh, well, there was two hours wasted. And that's something I want to look at of how to do, you know, with, with everything that's going on with the house and the wife and, uh, you know, just, just everything that we've got going on here. I want to figure out a way to get back to building some regular time in to get away from everything else and just focus on something that is only for me. Yeah, no, I think it's important. I mean, I'm very fortunate in that my current setup is that work can kind of happen mostly anyway when I, when I want it to. <laughs> Margaret's now going out to work each morning, so I'm I'm in this space where I've got plenty of options, and I, you know, walking the dogs and stuff. I don't schedule it anymore because during the winter I'm going to go when the weather's right. Uh, and during the summer, I, I'm just going to do it as early as I possibly, as soon as there's light, because it gets really, really hot, really, really fast. Mm. But I have control of that. So the the one thing that is also true is that to play golf as part of a group, you have to be involved in scheduling. I mean, there's no other way of doing it. So, mm -hmm. you know, we have to book tea times up to a month in advance. So I know pretty much every Saturday I'm playing and pretty much every Thursday I'm playing. And that's, you know, th th my diary works around that rather than, as I suspect for many people, work being the first thing. I'm lucky in that I can put the golf in and put the work around it. And if you can get to that point, then A, you're as lucky as I am, and B, you, as you say, you guarantee yourself that decompression time, which is important. Mm -hmm. I guess it's a, there is a goal in life that you just mentioned. The goal of productivity is not necessarily to just crunch out more wi widgets. Mm. The goal of productivity is to enable you to be so productive that you have control of your own time. Yep. Is that for a word thought? Well, I, you know, I think it's, it's, what do they call it? The gravestone. You know, think about what you were, want to be written on your gravestone or think about what you want to say on your deathbed. How many people say on the deathbed, I wish I'd done more work. Mm -hmm. um, we're only here for, you know, however long. And unfortunately we don't know how long generally. So that's what productivity is, is, is making, making it possible for you to spend your time on the things that you value the most. Mm, 4,000 weeks, right? Pretty much, but yeah, <laughs> plenty of other people have come up with it as well. Stoicism, you know, that's at the heart of that too. Memento Mori. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. Any takeaways from this discussion, Stu? Uh, it's, it's again, you know, we're becoming these boring old men, Justin. Um, everything that the boring old men and women told you in the past is true. It's a little bit of this, a little bit of that balance, not too much of this. You can have too much of a good thing, but make sure that you keep everything balanced. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. 
It was actually funny when you were talking about your Lego typewriter earlier. I was glancing over. I've got kind of a rack of typewriters that I've rebuilt mm -hmm. and thinking about, I should dig one of those out. And then, you know, the, the one thing, if you're ever testing out a typewriter, is all work and no play makes Jack dull boy. You know, the shining, it always comes back. <laughs> First thing you'll have to do when you get your Lego typewriters typed out. That's it. Uh, my takeaway, find a little something you enjoy because always on, always producing is just bad. It's not good for you in the long term. Stress, all that stuff. Find something to do that you enjoy. Very simple. Where can people find you on the internet, Stu? Uh, well, you can find me uh, on the Twitter machine at Stu Lennon, or you can find me at stuartlennon.com, where I'm writing, or at nerosnotes.co.uk, where I will sell you some delectable stationery. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? You can find me justintwyford.com. I'm on the Twitter machine at JJ Twyford. I may or may not have shared the link on how to download Wordle. <laughs> if anybody is playing and would like to figure out uh, how to continue playing without buying a New York Times subscription, though that would be unethical and we would never say that. If you actually want to talk to us, please feel free to email us stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. Please like reviewers on your podcast catch of choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues that you think might get something about what we talk about. Hobbies are always an easy one. So maybe this is a good recommendation uh, to people that you think need to get a hobby. Our next topic is going to be panic stations. I got to get sound effects. What to do when all goes wrong. That's going to be a good one, I think. Mm. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us. <laughs>